0: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Rashad. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine We're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Guys, welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. And my gosh, do we have a guest? My main man, NHL Hall of Famer, my brother from another mother, Chris Pronger's in the house.
1: <laughs>
0: Darius, how are you? Oh, man. Dude, I get, you know, one of the reasons I like to sing before the show is I get a massive endorphin rush yes. knowing that I'm getting after it with a good friend of mine. So, man, the was- blood flow. I love it. A dude, a dude, brother, I'm so glad. To, I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for Thank coming you. to the show. Thanks for having me. So, guys, uh, for for those of you guys that are new to the Greatness Machine, we're about two things: people who are living their passions and those who have created greatness in the world. And my man Chris Pronger has done a lot of both of those. <laughs> so we're I'm so excited to <laughs> chop it up with you and and to really talk about like how did you create all this greatness? How did you do all the things you did? But do you mind if I start by a little bit of our origin story? Let's do it. All right. Oh, so- hear it. So, so Chris and I were in a we're in a um a, a investment group together called Tiger Twenty One, and and uh, and it was my first day at Tiger in Austin, Texas. Here in Austin, Texas, he's he's now in St. Louis, but he's moving to Austin. So he's we're in the same Tiger group, and and I go in the room, and I don't I don't know a couple people in the room, but I don't know everybody, and I see this guy that's really tall. <laughs> How tall are you? Like six six. six? six. Yeah, six six. I'm I'm six uh, ish. I'm a barely barely over six foot, but six six. Yeah, that's 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 a tall dude, and I'm like, that's a big dude, and I don't know shit about hockey. So like, <laughs> so like I didn't. It's th- so like like other people would have like seen Chris and knew exactly who he was right away. I had no idea, and so I don't know how it comes up. Someone mentions the word hockey, and this is early in the meeting and and i and i look on his like name tag and i'm like what's his name <laughs> and i google it, and i was like oh shit this guy's a badass hockey player <laughs> like i didn't know that you were like this stu- i had no idea who you were i didn't know that you were this like hall of fame badass hockey player and i was like shit man and then that evening after we got done with the meeting we sat around and we bullshitted and had drinks and putting hockey aside i was like oh, I, I like this guy man he's cool he's a cool guy <laughs> just so, having a beer or two
2: telling stories
0: oh man you're a good storyteller you're funny you're you're a funny dude so so it was it was it was I, it was like at first sight i was like i like this guy and and uh feeling is mutual oh gosh i, I appreciate <laughs> that so uh do you mind if i give the your more formal bio for sure so sure. i gave you guys my like hey that's a i'll tall help dude. you out if you need any <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, you know, it's funny. Is again, since I don't know anything about hockey. I, now, one of the things in Tiger Twenty One, one of the cool things we do is these these things called portfolio defenses, where you come and tell your life story, more or less. And and yours was amazing. Number one. And the cool thing when someone is a professional athlete or they have like they they are have been in the public eye is a lot of the things you did in life are documented for you to show people. <laughs> so so he so we see all this cool stuff during the PD. Now the next day you don't know this either. I go home and I go to YouTube and I and now. We're gonna get into this. That Chris was a badass defensive man, awesome NHL player, but he was like, "You're like a bruiser, man. Like you fuck people up on the ice." <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm like, you "No, know, I'm I'm a very inquisitive person. I'm like, I go to YouTube. I type in Chris Pronger kicking people's asses, <laughs> like Chris Pronger biggest hits." <laughs> and I sat there at night and watched you crush people for like 20 Ooh. minutes. And I was like, oh man, this is the, like, I, and I haven't even told you that this happened like right after you did. You have
2: it. to send me that highlight reel so I can s- show it to my daughter's uh, friends that come over yeah. when she gets a little bit older.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 future um, friends and boyfriends of Pronger's daughter watch out. Don't, be don't very be careful. Yeah. Be very careful. This man's dangerous. And so anyway, uh, you guys, Chris, let me, let me pull the bio up. I'm going to read it just so I, I, cause it's such a cool bio. Chris is a hockey hall of famer, NHL H- hockey hall of famer, top 100 of all time in the NHL Stanley cup champion, NHL MVP, two time Olympic gold medalist. You are the second Olympian on the show. First gold medalist, four time Olympian, who is now building his travel company, Well Inspired Travels. We'll be talking about that in a second. But few, a few more things here. Started your career with the Whalers in 93, nine seasons with the Blues, Edmonton Oilers, Ducks, Flyers, 1,167 games played, 173 playoff games, six-time All-Star. Did I get all those right? I believe so. Oh, man. Thank you, Wikipedia.
2: <laughs> um... <laughs> Usually they're pretty accurate. Yeah. They, sometimes they they... People Double-checking things, making sure people aren't putting in some lame stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, like that, like, like, that's like, like the most impactful, like 200 words I've ever said about somebody. I mean, like, I mean, you are a freaking beast. And now you're in your next, next phase of life. You and your wife have an amazing boutique luxury travel company called Well Inspired Travels, and you're catering to elite athletes, entertainers, entertainers, C level executives, and business owners. And you got an amazing family and children. And we're going to be talking all about about that. Awesome. Thank you. Oh man. Woo! Woo! You must be tired. <laughs> no, I'm ready to go, baby. Thunderstruck right now. So, brother, like man, that is, I mean, look, you've you've lived probably multiple lives in one life, but I mean, I would I just want like maybe to, a few. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> Good you would add that. Yeah, you must have seen all the extra all his like injuries. Like that, that was I mean, man, you've how many how many major injuries have you had in your life?
2: Uh, well, I've had 16 surgeries. I recently had a knee replacement, which is going fairly good and hopefully will uh will be the last. Um uh, major injuries, I don't know, breaks and other stuff. I don't know, maybe 25 if you add in the surgeries and the breaks and everything.
0: Man, that's like that's gnarly. So I, I wanna I wanna take a step back. Like young Chris Pronger, how did you know, how did it all get take us from the beginning, man?
2: Yeah, Let's, small yeah. town, uh small town Canada hometown is Dryden, Ontario, which is uh, in northwestern Ontario, in between Winnipeg and Thunder Bay, I am eight hours straight north of Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, think how cold Minneapolis is and go eight hours north of that. Wow, and it's cold. Um, can I ask you a know, question?
0: Play... Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah, are you a warm guy or are you a cold guy?
2: I am a warm guy now. What <laughs> <laughs> you do better, what you do, better. I know. Based on all these injuries and everything, I know when the temperature is changing. <laughs> well, it's, and it's that's about, not a good thing. I think it's about to rain. Oh, it's yeah. not. Oh, absolutely.
0: 15 minutes, trust me. The
2: aches and pains come out real quick <laughs> when there's barometric pressure moving. Um, let's see here. Small town Canada. Uh, all we, you know, obviously grew up, uh, mom was a teacher, dad was an accountant. Uh, one brother, two years older. So I was always trying to keep up with the Joneses and and keep up with them. Yeah. Um, and we played hockey, whether it was, you know, outside shooting pucks against the garage, uh, skating at the outdoor rink, playing road hockey. My brother and I in our basement, you know, we used to flip a ball into the corner and see who could come out with it.
1: (laughs) Those were some of
2: the nastier games uh and then obviously the more organized formal hockey at uh dryden arena and and uh you know that that's kind of what we live for and and obviously when you have a seven month winter (laughs) yeah a lot of time to uh to play hockey so uh you know it was a passion of ours and, and you know like any small you know small town kid or any kid in canada growing up that passionate about sports and passionate about hockey your goal is to to play in the nhl and Um, You know, obviously that's, that's a pretty far off goal, but um, you know, I was no different than any other kid, you know, creating these scenarios where you're in game seven of the Stanley cup finals, or you got four seconds left and you got to shoot and score, you know, you make up all these things in your head. And, and uh, so I, you know, I lived back home till I was 15 and then uh, moved away from home to go play junior hockey in Stratford for a year. Mm Mm-hmm. And then was drafted into the Ontario Hockey League by the Peterborough Peets and played two years there before being drafted and and starting my career with the Hartford Whalers. Wait, so an 18 year
0: old. Let me ask you a question. Like, at what age did you start? I mean, obviously, you don't just go from like screwing around with your brothers to straight to the NHL, right? I I mean, at what point did you start to realize, man, I'm, I mean, I'm better than most people? Like, this is like. like,
2: yeah, I was from I'm from a small town in in you know kind of no man's land, so from a, a lot of the higher end competition is down in the Toronto area, Montreal, Vancouver, you know the bigger cities, and in Canada. So for us, you know, you're you're playing in your own little area, and you're you know you're pretty good, and and you didn't really have anything to compare it to.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you know, I played in a number of Ontario peewee championships and things like that to kind of get a gauge as to you know what the other kids in 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 our province were like uh I really didn't think much of it until I got to Peterborough and started playing against kids that were drafted in the first round that were big name prospects that were you know legitimate NHL players and things of that nature so I once I started comparing myself against them I was like oh I'm not that far off I got I'm as good as this guy and he's a first round pick. And I'm as good as, you know, you kind of see how they play the game and you see the level of competition. And, and I was kind of getting better and better and better and obviously growing and, uh, was going up, but not necessarily out. (laughs) Right. I was a tall skinny kid. So but I always played the same way from the time I was really young till, till I was done playing, I hard nosed, leave it all on the ice. Um, you know, you know, offensively, defensively, uh, you know, play a finesse game, play a physical game, whatever, whatever the, the game dictated at that moment. Or if you wanted to kind of change the way the game was being played, you could, you could kind of impose your will on it that way. So uh, for me, you know, people are always like, well, how, how do you, why do you play like that? How do you, you know, it's just, that's it's the only way I know how to play the game is a hundred percent physical aggressive uh if i did not play that way i tried it for a couple games when you know a couple i don't know if it was ownership or management said you know maybe tone it down a notch and (laughs) i was not very good (laughs) frankly i need to play with that intensity and that passion and uh you know i need to be in people's faces i need to keep people leery and and kind of on edge to to really kind of create holes and open up spaces and things for my teammates
0: so when so going back to um when you're younger, um, was there anyone like, I mean, obviously you to, to play at that level with, with that, you know, and, and to go into, you know, the, I guess that's the minor leagues. Is that essentially when you first realized? Like, in what, junior,
2: Well, it's, junior. Be, it's below that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's quasi, but, but it's still, you're not drafted yet. You're not, uh, you know, there are drafted players playing there. Got it. And, okay, And therefore in the NCAA's eyes, it's professional because there are drafted players and players that can be under contract. So in their eyes, it's considered professional, but it's not. Yeah. You know, so, so 16 year olds to 20 year olds.
0: So, so you're in the juniors, you're like going up against these dudes that are like top drafts and you're like, um, I can, I can hold my own with them.
2: My rookie year, I had to play against Eric Lindros after he just went first overall and wow. held out and didn't play. And so part of the year he played in, in the OHL for Oshawa and part of the year he played on the uh, Canadian Olympic team.
0: So, so did, like in your family did you were you the most athletic or was it just that you had an athletic family or did was did you is anyone in your family very like overly athletic or was it just something that was just this like this thing like ah yeah I'm pretty good at this and no big deal
2: no my you know my brother played my brother played in the NHL for 200 and some games okay um my dad played you know university hockey um but as far as that concerned there was no bloodlines in my family that played hockey or sports or anything of that nature. Um, And even from our our hometown, you know, coming from a small town like that, very few players had come out of there. Uh, One had, uh, you know, a small stint in the NHL. So it was kind of new territory for the area, for especially our hometown. So, um, you know, I was kind of really the, I guess, the one that was, my brother and I were kind of the ones that were kind of plowing and and forging ahead and creating a new path for, for a lot of kids. And and I think people need to realize and and probably do, there was no internet at that time. Right. So researching players and knowing what's going on in the world and knowing what's going on in the Ontario hockey league and the NCAA and things like that. uh, You, you really were reading one small little book, the hockey digest to get (laughs) a little bit of information. Right. Not a lot. You know, so my brother took the path. He played in the NCAA and played at Bowling Green State University Mm -hmm. in Ohio. And I had originally thought, well, I'll go that route. And then as I kept playing, you know, I started getting better and better and better. And, you know, I just needed that next step up, next step up to continue my development. And when I chose to go to Peterborough, I would have had to have gone back to Stratford to finish high school before I went to the NCAA. And, and from my development maturation process, it just would not have worked going yeah. back to play junior B against lesser competition. You know, my, my play probably would have stagnated and it would, you know, you never know how things would have turned out, but looking back on it and and seeing how my play developed uh, <coughs> being in Peterborough, it, it, uh, I look at a lot of players that were in that similar circumstance their play really declined and they didn't continue to develop on the level that they should have had they continued to move on and in advance into, into more difficult competition.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothys, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com/slash Darius go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear uses directed so so when you you eventually got drafted and do you mind telling us what that felt like like when you that like what number one did what was what what, what what were you you were first round draft but what was your draft number i was second overall so you were number 2 draft in in your in your class your draft class yeah. Or,
2: um, and which is- and I'll tell you, by the way, there was a famous quote by the kid who went first overall. Nobody remembers number two.
0: Oh! <laughs> who was who number, number one?
2: Oh, you don't remember him, do you? <laughs> well, uh, you yeah. know, it's funny. Little things like that, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but little things like that always sat right here. And they just, little birdie in your ear, giving you that fuel to push yourself and, and push through difficult circumstances, situations, what have you. And we use all kinds of things to fuel us, but uh, that always sat there. And of course the media loved to play it up and, and always bring up that quote, but Alexander Dagg was the kid who, uh, had that beautiful quote. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after that, uh, that quote was no longer relevant.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so when did you- did you get to play with him on the ice or uh, like very much in the pros? Uh,
2: not a little bit, not very often. Uh, you know, early uh, on in his career. Yeah. Because he was, you know, he was still be, being given that opportunity and it was probably three or four years and then it was over. I do. bounced would... around and bounced around and bounced around. And
0: why would someone say something like that? Like what, what is the yeah, point? He, you
2: know, he was young. Uh, didn't have great English at the time. Um, and you know what? Yeah. You know, you could call him cocky. You could call him whatever. But I, I have he, a friend. I think he thought he was good, and he nobody was going to be better. I have know? a friend, and anybody, I, you know, the issue. Everybody's been telling him that for yeah. years. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. And giving him one of these, and what else are you going to say?
0: I, I have a phrase that I like to say about people like that. You want to know that? You want to know what it is? Speaketh. Yeah, it's, it, it's 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 fuck that guy. Yeah. Well- <laughs> You got his. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, oh, no more one... nights than one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Too bad for him. So, so that probably, you know, obviously, people say shit like that. It kind of eats at you a little bit. And you're like, all right, I'll use that as a motivator. But you, you get it into the league and you start playing, and, and obviously things start picking up. But, but yeah, like when you finally realized your dream. I mean, I, I and the reason I ask it is, I think a lot of times in business and in life and in athletics and all these different competitive arenas we have these destinations in mind, right? That fuel us to like fight to get to a point. And then we get there. And and at least in my, from, from my seat, did you get this moment where it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I hit this. And then it kind of fades pretty quickly. But I don't know, is that, did you have that well, same experience?
2: Well, that? that's and, and that's the difference between where people get to and, and how they develop and how they push themselves it's not good enough just to be drafted. It's a goal, but once you're there, okay, what's next? Right. What's the next goal? You know, where do you raise the bar to? And it's, all right, I want to make the team. Okay, then it's, what's next? All right, I want to, you know, be a regular. And then I want to be top four. And then I want to be the guy. And then I, you have to keep setting the, the bar higher. And what happens is people that are not as successful as they should be, or you see they have the talent, but maybe they don't have the work ethic or the brain power, whatever it is, they stop working and they stay, they get comfortable and satisfied. Says, well, I got here. Well, that's not good enough, you know. And I used to always tell players, I'm like, it's not good enough just to be here. You're, you're not getting paid just to be here. You're getting paid to win games, <laughs> and if you win games, your stats are going to be there, and therefore you're going to get paid. And guess, guess what people want? They want winners and therefore they will pay you more because you're a winner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
2: you try to explain that to people. And I hate losing more than I like winning. It's yeah. just, you know, you have to understand what fuels people. And, and, you know, some people it's money, some people it's success, some people it's, you know, notoriety. Um, you know, you have to kind of understand everybody and kind of, I didn't. I didn't need the coach to give me a pat on the back. I didn't need, you know, as my career went along, I didn't need him to yell at me either. You know, it, it, it was more like, I know when I made a mistake, I'm my own worst critic. Right. I hate making mistakes. Right. And I'm going to ride myself into the ground. I'm treating myself worse than I know you will. Yeah. And as I drive myself, it's all right. Recover from that, figure out what happened. Don't make it. Don't make the same mistake and, and continue on. And, you know, I think people have to figure out in their lives what avenue drives them the best, mm-hmm. which outlet, and use it to the best of their abilities. And, and a lot of times people are unable to figure that out.
0: So so going back to yourself, like, you know, you you made the league and, and then, you know, obviously the bar kept getting raised. What, like for yourself, like when you started approaching that, obviously there was a massive competitive spirit. There's no question about that. But like, like, what do you think? I mean, I got to assume there's tons of guys in the league with a massive competitive spirit that don't have the stats you have, that don't have the the accolades you have. What do you think? If you were looking back retrospectively now and saying, okay, I did something that almost nobody's done, right? Like, how? I mean, how many people have played in, in NHL in the lo- in the time frame that you played? Thousands, I'm guessing couple thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and how no, many?
2: probably, yeah.
0: Yeah. Your top 100 of all time in the NHL. Yeah.
2: World. Well, I guess there's probably been over that time period, 10,000. Yeah.
0: More. So, so like the best of the best is really what it comes down to. What do you think, what was it outside a natural ability? Obviously some natural skill was to, to play in there, but if you t- put that aside because there's plenty of people with great natural skill that don't do what you did, what was it that made you be able to create that greatness for yourself?
2: Well, I think part of it was I was I was a hockey junkie early on in my childhood. I mean, I studied practice books, I studied the game and watching games. I didn't just watch it and kind of tune out. I watched. I was watching players. I was watching how they moved on the ice, what they did, why they did it, how they did it, cataloging it and 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 storing it in my mind as okay. And then when you're going through all these drills and understanding what purpose are those drills for? What are you learning from these drills? Why do you do them angling and, and passing and all these different things? Um, you know, I was just able to pick up on habits of players. I, you know, I studied the game. I studied my competition. This is before analytics and all this stuff, you know, what, paying attention, you know, a lot of times people just don't pay attention. Mm
1: -hmm. They don't
2: listen and they don't pay attention and they don't watch who are you playing against? What is their favorite move? When they're coming down the right side and they want to cut back in the middle, what do they try to do? They want to come under your stick and then try to score. Well, when they go to do it, move your stick or don't let them do that. And and too often people just – I don't know if they get, I don't know, too cocky or arrogant or think they're better than they are, but you have to continue to evolve and get better. Mm-hmm. Every, every year I came into the year – the new season, it was like, I gotta get, I gotta get better. If you're not getting better, you're going backwards because everybody else is getting better. Right. You have to continually evolve and you know, whether it was skating or whether it was passing or shooting or physical play, my strength, all all these different aspects of the game, you don't just work on your strengths, you work on your weaknesses and yeah, you hone your strengths and continue to, to make them your strengths, but you also improve your weaknesses so that that bar gets raised even higher. And now you're becoming a more complete player in all facets of the game. And so for me, it was just a matter of adding layers and pieces to my game and building out my game and adding to my strengths and making other parts of my game a strength.
0: I love that. And, and um, I want to kind of take a little bit of a, of a, of a right turn here, you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, when they imagine the life of a professional athlete, right, especially an elite professional athlete, someone that's really doing well in their career, they, they think of like, man, like you're like a rock star. Like you, you you know, you, you, you get to go and, you know, I mean, it, I, I'll be honest, you, like when I watched you know, your, the, 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 the YouTube video that I was talking about, like one of the coolest parts of it was hearing the crowd. Like I was like, man, that was his, that was going to work. right
2: like yeah Yeah. like like what what did that feel like for you uh well number one it's awesome but number two it you know what it to your point it's going to work it's drowning out that side of it and using you know using the electricity in the building and and the 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 energy and and the buzz to kind of fuel your game but not Get you too far on that edge or over that edge that you're going lunatic. Right. And so for me, again, understanding who you are and understanding how you have to play to be successful, <laughs> I was not one of these guys that was screwing around in warm-up, you know, looking at the fans and waving and I was starting to prepare, yeah, and get my head ready for what I had to do to win a hockey game. And you know, other players don't didn't play the way I played and didn't need to. I didn't. I wasn't friends with players in the other team. I wasn't friends with a lot of guys in the league because, frankly, (laughs) I'm trying to hurt them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to injure them. I'm trying to hurt them. And I want to leave a mark on them so that they know, don't come down my side, don't stand in front of my net, don't come near me, and you'll be safe. But if you come near me, sorry.
0: Yeah, fire beware. For
2: me, there was no friends on the ice, and there was lots of times – We had guys that used to play on our team that would go elsewhere and I would crush the guy or the guy would try to hit me. I remember one time Craig Conroy, who I played with here in St. Louis got traded and he was in Calgary and he tried to hit me down at the far end and I looked at him (laughs) and then I, I skated up with the puck. I dumped it in and he cut across and tried to level me. And I looked at him. Okay puck went back down in the other end and i murdered him <laughs> and he's down on the ice and i looked at him and i said that's your warning next one you're not gonna like and he went back to the bench i was talking and I'm t- i talked to him after the game
0: yeah. <laughs> and
2: he went back to the bench he's like i thought he was your friend and he's like well not not during a game yeah Off <laughs> so the ice. Like, hey listen you know, there's there's lines that are out there. And once you cross that line, then you're fair game and sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, you're going to work, right? Yeah. It's all business. Yeah. You know, and all's fair. Well, and
2: that's, I think, some of the time people don't realize that. Sometimes fans don't realize that. And sometimes the players don't realize that. It's a business and the business is winning.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you no, no, you're no, not
2: going to no. be there very long. Well, you might have a contract and you have to be there as long as that contract. But people around you, you got to realize, There's coaches' jobs on the line. There's management jobs on the line. There, you know, ticket staff. All these people are reliant on you winning a hockey game. Yeah, you know, the whole staff really. When you think about it, the purpose of the entity is to win hockey games, and sell tickets and make money. And you know, all it's to make money. But you make money by winning. Who wants to keep going to see a crappy team lose?
0: Yeah, the fans are most of the fans are as loyal as your guys' record. Yeah. For the for most, the most
2: part. part. I mean, you're going to have the passionate diehards, and then you're going to have a segment of the fan base that, you know, especially depending upon where you play, like Anaheim, you know, w- when we were good and winning, man, it was packed every night. It was a buzz. We had a fun team. We had a tough team, a, a goal score. You know, we, had, we could play any way you wanted. And once that goes away, people are like, well, I got the beach. I got this. Like, You know, yeah. there's other things to do.
0: Yeah, people in Orange. Listen, I grew up in Anaheim. I was born in Anaheim, and I grew up in Orange County. And those fucking people aren't loyal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no way.
0: Like they got the Angels, you know. Like they, they never, you know, the, yeah. the Rams left them, the Raiders left them. Those guys, they they're as loyal as their options, you know.
2: <laughs> you know, and that's so that's what you're dealing with. So you gotta really focus and hone in on okay, and and it's hard to get young kids to figure out early on you know like i i i was thrown into the fire early in hartford you know a struggling franchise a struggling team really good leadership uh i had a amazing mentor in brad mccrimmon who they had traded from or acquired from detroit to to mentor me and and he was awesome i roomed with him I was 18. He was 36. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do was room with a snot nose little 18 year old. No. Looking around going, where am I? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I went, you know, to dinner with him every night, you know, and it was just talking about the game, the league, how to be a pro, how to, you know, how to handle yourself. And, you know, I, of course, as a young kid, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's crazy to think. I saw him. We actually played Detroit, where he was then coaching when I played my thousandth game. So wow. he saw game number one as my partner, yeah, and roommate. And then he saw game one thousand as a coach for the other team. And he's like, "So wh- what do you think about all that stuff that I told you when you were eighteen, and now I was uh, thirty? Uh, what was it? I don't thirty three or thirty two? Whatever I was when I played my thousandth game, and." He's like, "What do you think?" Everything that he told me, bang on.
0: Wow. And then,
2: but as a young kid, every kid's the same. You got experience on your own. You're gonna take little tidbits, and you're gonna understand and realize what what that meant. But you've got to make your own mistakes. You've got to kind of break through the the complacency and the uh, the issues that may or may not plague you, and and kind of move on from there. But um, you know, it was, it was awesome that he was able to be there because he was such a big part of my early career.
0: What was the best piece of advice he gave you?
2: Uh I, I already had it to a certain degree, but be unpredictable. He's like, oh. listen, kid, fight him, stick him, spear him, slash him, punch him in the face. If you don't, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do half the time anyways, but, you know, so if it was – Somebody's coming at you, spear him once. Somebody's coming near you, punch him in the face. Somebody's coming near you, just turn and skate away. If they don't, you know, always keep them thinking. And what's going to happen is you're going to create a little extra space. There's going to be a little um, shyness there as to how much do I really want to go in there? How much do I really want to go near them? What's going to happen? And that that split second decision of do I really, that hesitation Yeah, allows me to get the puck, pass it up and now, we're gone
0: so so you know again I, i'm I'm kind of a novice when it comes to hockey, but you know would did you always play that way when you were young like you're like oh like I'm getting on the ice, I'm gonna score goals, defend and I'm gonna kick people's asses is that like the in which order did you put that in?
2: Uh, it would depend on what, how the game was going and <laughs> what was going on in the game <laughs> there would be you know there might be you know you might be an offensive juggernaut and it, you might be scoring goals or, you know, winning the game or there might be somebody out there trying to take liberties with people. And you're like, all right, I'm going to get this guy with his head down, you know, where you're like, all right, you want to run around. Okay. I'm going to get you at some point I'm getting you. At, and, at what
0: age did you start playing like that? Was uh, it from day one?
2: I, well, hitting didn't start until I was 12.
0: Oh, okay. So, so,
2: so, but I still, you know, there was bumping, there was, you know, stick work and all that stuff. But, you know, really until I was probably, you know, eleven or twelve. So, and,
0: uh, can I ask you a question about this though? Because I really don't know anything about hockey. Is are, is it like the rule book does not allow fighting, or I mean, most sports they don't let you fight. What's not the rule in
2: fighting is only well, fighting is allowed in the NHL. You get a penalty. And, um, fighting is kind of allowed in junior hockey. And that's okay. it. It's not allowed in minor hockey. It's not allowed in college.
0: So when you got to junior hockey, the it, like the first day of junior hockey, like, oh, we're allowed to fight. Oh yeah. And you and were you like like <laughs> amped up, ready for this? You're like, oh, it's brawl time.
2: Uh, well, I had never fought before, <laughs> you know, because I I come from a small town. I played high school hockey, and then I go to play junior. And you got to remember, I had a full cage on. Yeah. Everybody played in full cages in junior B. It wasn't until I got to junior a in the ontario hockey league where you had the half shield otherwise you're punching a guy in the the full face mask right. or you gotta wrestle with him to get his helmet off before you then <laughs> could punch him in the face <laughs> or you- or it was a mutual thing you're like all right let's take our helmets off and let's fight
0: so so i mean obviously you had a, a pretty you you know historically and you know even as a hall of famer have a reputation as to being kind of a brawler right and, and, and like a guy that like does, like that's part of like that was part of your strategy, it sounds like.
2: I didn't fight a ton. I fought a little bit. Um, and, and really, I was playing 30 plus minutes a night. <laughs> the last yeah. thing I needed to do was, you know, when I was playing against the top players, you know, a lot of the fighters are playing on the fourth line. A lot of the, you know, I it just I never played against them. And number two, I'm like, why am I going to fight this guy? He's going to get three minutes today.
0: So it was more about just like,
2: like less. A little bit of common sense and a little bit about, all right, like what good is this going to do for me? Right, right, right. If I need to do it to protect a teammate. Yes. If I need to do it to protect myself. Yes. But outside of that, I'm not going to waste my time or effort fighting this guy. If it doesn't serve my team a purpose and it doesn't help our team win a hockey game at the end of the day, it was about winning. I was just always focused and always kind of, game planning for how am I, how are we going to win this game
0: so so going forward you know you you obviously have some amazing accolades in the league i mean with some amazing moments if you were to look, like say what are your top one or two like biggest moments of your career and and you're in a business that you know that that there, you have those moments when you get to have a career like you had like what what would you say are the two biggest moments that you can think of
2: well the biggest moment was winning the Stanley Cup it's something that you know you dream of your whole life, you know, especially growing up when, you know, when I was growing up playing hockey, the Olympics were not really an option. Pros weren't allowed to play. Right. So I didn't grow up thinking, Oh my God, I want an Olympic gold medal. I was I always grew up. Oh, I'm carrying a Stanley cup around and you know, hooting and hollering and doing all that. And um, the year we won in Anaheim, I had played in the finals the year before and lost in game seven with Edmonton. Yeah. So it was that bitter taste in your mouth. You lost a, a tough game seven, and now you get another chance to to play and win the Stanley Cup with a team that we had beat the year before when I was in Edmonton. So you know how good the team is. You know the, the style they play. Yeah. And so, you know, it was an interesting group, but only Scott Niedermeyer on the team had won a Stanley Cup. A few of us had been to the finals, but when you have that many players that are that focused and that uh, diligent about the goal, the goal was to win a Stanley Cup. That's it. Plain and simple. There was nobody that was kind of floating around going, oh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just doing, you know, everybody knew this is the goal. You know, we believe we can do it. And now it's up to us to go out and show it. And, each and every night we played, it was like, all right, it's to serve a purpose. A, it's to win, but B, it's to serve a purpose to get closer to winning a Stanley Cup.
0: So, so, like, talking about that team and and, and what, how many seasons had you been playing at that point in the in the league? Uh,
2: I had been playing uh, 14.
0: So you're 14 seasons in. You played on all these teams. Did you notice a difference on that team, like, right when you got there as opposed to the previous teams? Was there anything, like, that stood out to you as a difference?
2: I would just say – I would say the focus and I would say the hunger from the veterans to the young guys knowing – the type of team they had, they had lost in the conference finals to Edmonton that I was on the year before. And knowing, you know, Brian Burke was the GM, he did a good job of explaining to the players, this team is together now to win. We don't know when this team is, how long it's gonna to be together, you know, all that kind of stuff. Very open and honest with the players, <clears throat> kind of guiding them and steering them and allowing them the ability to kind of take the reins a little bit and, and, and be their own makers. And then Randy Carlisle was the coach and, and, you know, he was a no, no nonsense, uh, you know, very straightforward. And, and for our team, it was the perfect setup because we had an older team, a lot of veteran leaders. You, know, you had myself, you had Sean O'Donnell, you had Tamu Solane, Scott Niedermeyer, a lot of guys that, that had been in the league 10 plus years, Todd Marchant, uh, Jaguar goalie so you know we had a really good mix of core veterans that were a big part of our team mm-hmm. and we had a lot of good young up-and-coming energized you know in the dog days of the season when the vets are getting maybe a little tired though that's when you look at the young guys to kind of pick up the slack and and kind of energize the group and and get us going in, in, a, in any given game so um, you know for us it was a really good mixture. And I think, again, as I said before, when you have a team that can play multiple styles, mm-hmm. play a tough, hard nosed physical game, play a, a one nothing defensive grind, a six five, you know, offensive battle, we could play in any of those games and we could win any of those games. So it was just a matter of us figuring out and, and us kind of looking at the other team and saying, okay, how are we going to play tonight?
0: So, uh, like what I just heard you say is a combination of like some a lot of autonomy. People had the autonomy to like do their best work, and a lot of leadership. Yeah, and all
2: within and and all within a system that gave you some room. There was structure in place, but there was room to think outside the line, so to speak. Defensively, we were structured. Offensively, it was be creative do what you do, go score goals, knowing that this is how we play back here.
0: And and so that that's obviously an amazing moment. Uh, like coming off that moment, you know, you're 14 seasons into the into the league, you know, uh what how did how did you start thinking your of your career like where like at that point it's like okay, I've done a lot. And you're like, "All right, I'm just see how much more I can do." Like how did you kind of approach Yeah, well, at, at that,
2: that at that point, you know, that was pretty much the only thing left and and you're kind of looking at it going okay <laughs> you don't want to be that guy who's 40 years old going okay I need to win a cup and you're bouncing around doing all this stuff you you know people look at you differently when you've won which is crazy to a certain degree because a lot it has a lot to do with luck it has a lot to do with circumstance you know teams whatever when when I look back on that team there's probably 15 you know 12 15 players that had career years yeah you know? How many teams can say that? But, but that's just, you know, the way it worked. You know, everybody was in that specific point in inflection in their careers where they were ready to take that next step wherever they were on the, the pendulum for their role was with the team. And, so you- and everybody knew their role, which was another nice thing. Everybody yeah. was okay with their role. Everybody liked their role. And if they didn't like their role, then they traded them and moved them for something else and, and somebody else who was okay with their role. Yeah. So there that's... was less strife in the room, less bitching about ice time, less bitching about this and that. It was more about Getting I'm, ha- I'm excited to be here. I love the team. I love my teammates. I want to go win. I want to do whatever I can to help this team win.
0: Yeah, I love Everybody
2: that. going in the same direction. Yeah. Everybody with the same mindset. Everybody understanding – and and believing, and and that's the other part. Believing everybody genuinely believed we could win.
0: Yeah. It's that's it's it's amazing to hear this that it because there's so many, you know, um, like this is so analogous to, to winning in every part of life, right? Yeah. Is is really getting people to row in the same direction, have alignment, remove the friction, good leadership, people knowing their role. You're describing any winning organization right yeah. now, right? And it's it's just so cool that. You got to express that in a way that created you know a pinnacle in one of the toughest sports in the world so it's just so cool to hear man um i I, you know i want to kind of you know head into the new business but before we go there because this is the newest chapter in your life you know when you were when you had won the Stanley Cup and you're you, you have a few more years left in 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 the NHL you know how did that feel when you're like man you know like to be at that part of your career where you're like seeing an end in sight and you're young. You're like, you were in your early mid thirties, right? Knowing that this is time is coming to end. How did that feel for you?
2: Yeah. When we had won, I, I, am looking, thinking back now, I think I was 32. So, you know, at that point I thought I had a long, a long runway still, you know, the guys have been, guys were playing. I wanted to try to play till I was 40. Right. Um, you know, there was still a, a, a longer runway for me anyways, that I thought, Right, and so I was like, "All right, well, now we know what it takes. Let's go get the second one. You know, let's get let's get on this." Um, you know, <laughs> there was a few hiccups that next year with some players and some other stuff that kind of de- de- derailed us, and it was created a little bit of dysfunction within our team, and we struggled that next year for a number of reasons. But um, and then I was traded after the following season to Philly. And, and you know what, it just, things happen for a reason. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everything happens throughout. You make decisions, everything happens for a reason. And and when people go back and constantly look at, wow, what if I would have made this choice and what if I would have done that? It serves zero purpose Yeah. because if you go back and change that, everything else could be changed. And all the success, all the wins, all the, all of that stuff can be changed just like that. And so, so you know, we talk about throughout throughout my career, I'll, there was always decisions. Should I leave home at 15? Should I play NCAA hockey versus junior? Should I turn pro? Should I, you know, ask for a trade? Should I uh, sign a new contract? Should I, you know, there's all these decisions that have to be made and, and all these things that go on throughout the course of your life and your career, and you go back and go, well, if I change the one decision to play NCAA, I then have to change the decision to go back and not play junior A and play junior B again. And how does that affect my development? And how does that affect all of these my maturation process and my development personally? Right. Um, you know, so there's a lot of relevant and irrelevant things that can happen that you really struggle with, and people always go back people that are either at a crossroads in their life or they're you know having a midlife crisis or whatever they always want to go back and make a different decision and you know, like you got to look that way.
0: Yeah. So can't
2: uh, be, there's nothing back there for you. <laughs>
0: yeah, I there's, love that.
2: The only thing back there are life lessons and learning lessons. Yeah. Everything else is that way.
0: Yeah, so I I there's like an analogy it's like there's a reason why the front windshield's big and the rear view mirror small, right? <laughs>
2: that's exactly it right (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i love that so so you know sounds to me like you trusted yourself and and kind of rolled with the punches you know like no pun intended but to 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 really like hit that pinnacle in, in in an illustrious career and 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 then ended up in philly had a couple great years there and then you know how did it feel when you finally said like what like i'm done like what, what did, what did that feel like for you? Cause this well, is, I got injured. Danger.
2: I had, I got a stick in the eye. I had a bad concussion, eye injury. And you know, that was kind of the end of it. And it took me a couple years, A to get healthy, but B to kind of accept, all right, I'm done and to stop watching the game as a player
1: mm-hmm. and
2: watching the game, picking it apart and dissecting it in that way. And then kind of looking at it more from a, A scout's eye or from a manager's eye and looking at it going okay how are we playing how can we fix it what types of players can you add and and so you know I was at that point there where I I had two passions growing up one was to play the game of hockey and play in the NHL right the
0: second
2: one was to either be a manager or president of a hockey team or own my own business and at that point I decided to to work on trying to be a present GM of a team and, you know, spent six, seven years kind of plying my trade and kind of learning and, and, and understanding the, the business side of the game and, um, you know, really kind of digging in deep on the financials, the, you know, the, the, the different nuances that you have to look at as a manager and, and, you know, short term, long term, how that all plays out. And at the time the game was changing, uh, obviously analytics had come in and, and, and changed a lot plus the salary cap, plus the finances and, and how you move money around, uh, to pay players and things like that. So it was, you know, a lot of it can be simplified, but a lot of it, you just need to kind of dig in and learn more about it. And, and kind of just like I did as a player, add to your strengths, well that add to your strengths and learn, uh, continue to evolve and continue right. to add things to your repertoire, and and begin to learn about the the new side of the business, the, this non hockey side, because really it's all about business. And yeah, you're picking players and doing all things like that, but a lot of it is really, you know, the business side of it.
0: So, so you you spent a few years on, on the business side of it. Are you? I know you still do some stuff uh, in in media and and in the league. Um, is that still something that you're going to try to pursue or you're like, no, I'm, I'm all in on my business now.
2: No, no, no. We're, you know, I'm hundred percent in on the business. Um, you know, it's a passion of ours. It's something that we feel uh, we provide a certain niche and, and have a, a path for people to continue to a, get better from a, from a physical perspective, but more so from a mental perspective and, and really, whether it's decompressing, whether it's taking a you know 48-hour break, whatever it is, um, as an athlete and 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 now as a business owner and 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 person understanding the mental side of it and how quickly things can shift and get out of whack, uh, you, you have to be more cognizant to the mind-body spirit and, and really. For me, when I got hurt in Philly, I spent part of those two years traveling and 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 trying to get healthy, both physically, but but more uh, mentally, and and kind of getting past. All right, I was already transitioning, you know, probably halfway through my career, I was already transitioning out of. There's Chris, the hockey player. Mm-hmm. To there's Chris Pronger. Like I, I was not a fan of. Oh, he's a hockey player. Yeah. Well, more than a hockey player.
0: Yeah, of course. Like,
2: you know, and so a lot of times, athletes. Either buy into that, or they can say no. That's not accurate. And and early on, yeah, you're gonna get the fame and the notoriety because you're Joe Blow basketball player or you're a Joe Blow baseball player or what have you. But at some point, you're no longer that person. Right. You're no longer in the limelight. You're no longer the the guy on the pedestal. You're some old retired guy. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people, that's where they struggle when they allow themselves to be this person as a hockey player and not a person, they struggle with the lack of notoriety. They struggle with people not treating them like, Oh, there's so-and-so but people, you know, like there's lots of kids here that never saw me play. They don't know my name. They don't even know who I am. Yeah. And their parents do. <laughs>
0: right. Well, it, it, it's funny. I think you're speaking to having your identity tied to your business or your yeah. career. Right. And, and it, uh, you know, in your 20s and 30s, your business was the business of being one of the, you know, best defensive men in hockey. And that was your and But what you're saying is I didn't tie my identity to that necessarily. Like that was my job and that's what I did. And then I moved on and I'm still me. But yeah. I didn't. I, but, but my worth is not tied to the fact that I'm playing the game and getting, you know, cheers from the audience or, you know, people asking for the autograph. It's it just tied to that. That was you were respecting the job you were doing. My well, and also surrounding
2: yourself with people that, uh, you know, again, I didn't like having name droppers and back patters and, you know, the entourage of people around you. You, you got to surround yourself with mentors and good people that are going to help guide you in those tough, difficult times in your life. When I got hurt in Philly, I called two people. And both of them the next day flew to Philly and sat down and talked and walk me through kind of their experiences with retirement, walk me through, you know, the next steps, the next phases, you know, probably the best advice I was given was don't do anything your first year. You know, you're going to be healing. You're going to be doing all this. You're done. People are going to be throwing charities at you and and all these different deals and all this. Don't do anything because you're going to want to rush into doing something because you're bored and you want to just do something. And it's not going to be a passion project. It's not going to be something that's of real value and tangible to what you want your next phase to be. And, you know, it's amazing to look back and go, okay, think about all the different things that were put in front of me and presented to me. And I don't know if any of those are around today.
0: Yeah.
2: Outside of some of the, you know, charitable endeavors and things like that, outside of that stuff, which... Everybody has their own charities that that are near and dear to them and, and things like that and um, you know but you have to pick what's what you're passionate about so that you're invested in it and you want to help and you want to do good.
0: Yeah, I love that. There's there's a book I'm reading right now called Ikigai, and that's where like your passions, your talents, and what people will pay you for all come back all come together. Yeah. It's a job. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a book by Hector. I'll, I'll I'll send you the book. Yeah, please do. It's, it's so really awesome cool. Book. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's a very short read too, but um, yeah, you're talking about Ikigai, man. Um, so let's talk about Well-Inspired Travels. We got a few, about five more minutes and we got to bounce. But um, so you started Well-Inspired Travels with your wife. I want to hear all about
2: it. Yeah, my wife started it. Um, it was been a passion project for her since she was a kid. Her dad was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and given a 10% chance to live. And with that, he looked at his wife and kids and said he wanted to travel the world. Uh, went over to Europe that first summer, and she got to see him off chemo, and full of passion and and joy and happiness. And she was like, "Oh man, traveling travel's amazing," you know, and to see him in that light and and the way he was. They had a great trip. Came back. He was back on chemo radiation, getting pounded, and and was a shell of himself. And the, he all the while was planning the next trip to Asia. And she's a firm believer that he chose Asia because he wanted to marry Eastern medicine and Western medicine acupuncture, holistic healing methods, transcendental meditation. And, you know, 40 plus years ago, he's really at the forefront of kind of where we are now with how we merge the two together. You know, when you go to a a doctor now, it's chiropractor, it's acupuncture, it's all these things are now, you know, a a pretty big part of, of our medicine now for a lot of us. And so he they go over to Asia. He immerses himself in the jungle for two to three weeks at a time with a, with a medicine man and they go off and see all the sights and sounds of Asia. And really he's just fighting for his life and comes back home two months later, gets a call from a doctor. I've got a, this new radical new surgery. It's going to save your life. Gets the surgery two years later, he's given a clean bill of health and and cancer free and never had cancer again.
0: Wow. Well, from
2: a six, seven year old eyes, She sees, you know, really what travel has done. For the mind, body, spirit, and the healing powers of travel, and and what they use travel for, in their lives and and with their family, it, it really left a mark on her. So they continue to travel, and and you know all every summer and, you know, got to see the world and and you know all the different cultures and and culinary styles and 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 things like that. And and so, when we got together, she was always asked. I was at the peak of my career. She was always asking me like, "Why don't we travel more?" And I'm like, "Well, I spend." Two or three months training, preparing for a season, spending all this money on food and trainers and all this stuff. I'm gonna go away for a week and eat a bunch of crap and not work out, and it's all gone. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, yeah. so she started sourcing properties and talking to chefs and restaurants and trying to figure out how we could make it work, and you know, finding gyms and things like that. Uh, the hospitality industry, 20 plus years ago, was pretty still in its infancy as it relates to fitness and and spas and things of that nature. So finding those, and and then just through word of mouth, you know, teammates ask or wives, girlfriends, business associates would ask, Hey, where'd you guys go? How'd you find it? I just like Lauren tracked it down. And you know, just that, that bond, that trust factor, you know, she started helping people out. And then when we got to Philly, Instagram was, you know, social media was kind of in, in, in its beginning of its heyday and, um, you know, she had a little private account and, uh, you know, again, we'd, she'd post pictures of our travels on there and things like that and people would just ask and she started helping people with that. And, and, again, because it's, you know, that 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 trust factor and bond of being in the same shoes and understanding what they're going through and dealing with, you know, she started doing like 20 or 30 of these and then, you know, you know the light bulb moment comes off. There's something here, but yeah. – but at the same time, you got three young kids at home. I get hurt. Her mother gets breast cancer, and her dad has a debilitating stroke and is paralyzed at his right side. So from a from a timing perspective, it certainly wasn't it wasn't right. And and so you know, probably four and a half years ago, our oldest starts driving. You know, I feel much better. Her mom's better. Unfortunately, her dad passed away, but she's able to devote more time to to building out the business and and putting those proper structures in place to. To really make a go of it and make it a real business, and uh, at the time I was working for the Florida Panthers and I was helping her on the business plan, helping her, uh, you know, network and kind of build out that side of things, and and really I started to enjoy myself. And at at one juncture I was not enjoying myself on the hockey side, and then on this side I'm like the second part of kind of my. I guess my wish list when I was a kid of what I wanted to do and what I, what I was passionate about uh, owning and operating a business, you know, what it kind of, it's funny, you know, the timing and, and how things uh, present themselves. And, and it just was a, a great fit. Uh, you know, I love seeing people have a great time. I love seeing people happy. And uh, you know, from a hospitality perspective, that's what, that's what people do. They make people happy. So, yeah, you know, for, from that perspective, it was a, it was a great fit. And, and when you're around people like that, that are always happy, you know, it brightens up your day. It's, it's, it's fun going to work every day. It's fun working on trips and, and as my wife likes to call it, travel matchmaking (laughs) and finding places that are a great fit for people and, and seeing them come back and, and have life altering moments. And, and, you know, whether it's a, a CEO going away on a staycation and, learning a new, you know, sleep technique or a new, um, you know, yoga pose or whatever it is to somebody going away on a two or three week vacation with their family and seeing some amazing destinations and cultures and, and really kind of bringing their family together and, and having, uh, you know, lifelong memories and, 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 and memories that, uh, are going to bridge gaps. And, and, and I think from our perspective, really understanding our clientele and and that little niche that you talked about earlier uh, you know we have a unique ability to understand what they're going through from the the demands in their time the pressures of the job the fame the fortune the stress on home life pressure on kids you know that that's where sports and business really come together it, it, it's very similar especially from a you know a CEO c level executive type it, it's it's very demanding and stressful and yeah. uh, you know, for us, it, it's really about trying to help those people manage their travel experiences and, and use travel as a way to really help them, whether it's bring their family together, decompress, you know, from a mental health, health and wellness perspective to, you know, really just learning more about the, the world and, and how vast it is and, and, and kind of asking deeper questions to really get to know our clientele on a much more personal level so that you're able to provide them with a much higher level of service Mm -hmm. and a much better travel experience because you're no, you know what's going on in their lives. You know, I tell people all the time, anything you tell me, I guarantee I've, I've been through (laughs) at least once if not more and you're able to kind of really connect with them on that level. So you're able to kind of walk them through what you went through, how, how travel helped you different things in that regard, and then kind of piece together what makes sense for their families uh, what makes sense for them personally, if it's a, you know, a business leader, whether it's an athlete needing to kind of decompress or, uh, you know, flush your system or what have you. There's all kinds of different scenarios that that are always present out there that, you know, we need to just talk to people. And, and and really, it's just about, you know, as I went on in my hockey, in my hockey career, it was more about listening and hearing people and understanding what they're saying than it was about the rah-rah speeches and really get a better feel for what's going on. And if there is an issue, what's the root cause? Yeah. Not What can I do to cover it up? Well, get to the root, get to the issue at hand. You know, whether is somebody having marital problems, is somebody having problems with their kids? Is somebody super stressed out at work? Is somebody, you know, what is the root cause and what is causing the issue? And then how can we help alleviate the situation? How can we help? uh, manage the situation in a way that's going to help you become the industry of Titan and, and, and be a better leader and, and be a better athlete, yeah. father, mother, sister, brother, whatever it is. And, and really kind of peel back that onion layer to really get to know you on a personal level, to be able to, to help you get the most value and the most bang, uh, in your travel experiences.
0: I love that, man. Uh, so my, I want to uh, we probably do a whole show on this uh, but unfortunately I, <laughs> unfortunately I'm like uh, we're out of time Um so you guys are offering this amazing you know concierge level boutique luxury travel uh, services uh, people can find you guys at wellinspiredtravels.com is that the best place to connect uh, best for- place
2: we're on Instagram we're on the world wide web <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i will tell you this man uh this has been so much fun i loved hanging out with you chris you are the man thank I you sir it.
2: i appreciate it you're my, the man too
0: my brother i, I really appreciate you. you guys uh go check out we'll put this in the show notes well inspired travels if people want to connect with you chris is just on social media just like uh, yeah. All the uh,
2: yeah i'm on linkedin i'm on uh, instagram i'm on uh, the website um yeah there's a little thing to you can type in a form comes cool. to us okay. here uh, at the office. So awesome, man, what an inspiring hour. I love getting
0: to spend time with you, even just hanging out and bullshitting <laughs> and having fun. <laughs> and this is just to learn about your life. It's such an amazing, uh, illustrious career and just like all the cool things you've done. And man, you've done it with such, such just like humility and down to earth. And you, brother, I appreciate you so much Thank gratitude. You.
2: Appreciate it, Darius. Yeah. Well,
0: Hey guys, you heard it here. Like. Learn from the pronger, the man, <laughs> and uh, go check out Well Inspired Travels. I know we got a lot of CEOs and, and some some people that really want to take their travel to the next level. Please go check out the Inspired travels.com where he and his wife are really building an amazing business. And with that said, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. We out of here. Love you.